0: Daniel chapter three is a very familiar chapter. This is the chapter where Nebuchadnezzar Uh, And I'll give you some time to get there, just a small book. If you're a new convert, finding your way through the Bible, about the middle of the Bible, Psalms and Proverbs, keep going through uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, keep moving forward and you'll find a small book called Daniel. It is a book of end time prophecy, but also a book of history as well. And I'm looking at it in a historical context today uh, that I wanna share just a few things with you. Probably if you have been in church, For very many years, you have heard in Sunday school or in sermons or even in song, the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is the chapter that deals with that. Nebuchadnezzar has made a great image. Recently, I preached on that image about how you know if you've got the wrong God because they could measure his God. You can't measure our God. And they could move their God. You can't move our God. Amen And here they were with a god that they 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 were serving a false god, and uh, he he makes this decree, and that 's really the first point of the message is the decree He makes this decree that when all of these musical instruments start to play, everyone is to bow down to this golden image, this great image, that he has constructed and worship that image so That's what leads us to the account of these three individuals. These three individuals have been blessed to rise to a place of prominence in his kingdom, and not because they were merely Jewish, but because in the previous chapter, we know Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And the problem was he couldn't find an interpretation for the dream, first of all, and second of all, he couldn't remember the dream. So when he calls in, Uh, his wise men to try to tell him about the dream. They said, well, tell us the dream, we'll tell you the interpretation. He said, no, you've got to tell me the dream and the interpretation, I can't remember it. Well, Daniel came to the forefront. Daniel knew the dream and not only told him what the dream was, told him the interpretation of the dream and at the end of that chapter, Nebuchadnezzar has fallen down and he starts to worship Daniel, isn't that strange? you do know that if God does anything for you, it's not because of me. And it's not because of Brian or any other preacher or any other Christian. Now, God lets us to be be there sometimes when he does miraculous things, but it's God that does it. So worship God. Don't worship man. Worship God. And that, that was it. Some people interpret Nebuchadnezzar had an experience with God. No, he had an experience, but it wasn't with God. It's not until later chapters, one or two chapters after this, that Nebuchadnezzar becomes like a beast in the field. And then when he loses his mind, after he goes through that period of seven years, he comes to himself and then he realizes who God is and has the encounter with God. But in between, if he had an encounter with God, why by chapter three would he be creating this image for people to worship, a false idol. And that's exactly what he does. He develops this false idol and the decree goes out, verse 10, and they come back to tell them about these three because when Daniel was recognized for his work, he appointed these three to be rulers in the land and Nebuchadnezzar has promoted them. But these three, when the music goes off, they refused to bow to this false idol. As near as I can tell, there were probably about 10,000 Jews, 10,000 Jews that were in Babylon at this time. But we know these three, when they were there, refused to bow. So as always, when someone does something, they got on Facebook, I mean, they, uh, <laughs> they just had to tell somebody, okay, and I've said. So they wanted to tell the king in verse 10, they said, thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth that image that he should be cast in the midst of the fiery furnace. So they're just reminding the king of the decree. And then when you get to verse 12, they point out, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So he starts to interrogate them. When you get down to verse 15, the king says, Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sagment, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music which I have made, well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is, underline these next two words, that God? Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, Our God, underline those two words, our God. First that God, then our God, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto the O king that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up, then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Well, you know the account they throw them in. The men, the fire was so hot that the men that threw them in died when they cast them in. But by the time you get to verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake, and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the most high God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth from of the midst of the fire, and the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire as it had passed on them. Let's look at this real quick. I mentioned the decree. The decree went out, but by the time you get down uh, to verse 12, we read about the disobedience. There's some things that God's children just cannot go along with. Now, the reason that I'm preaching this to you today is because there will be decrees that will come prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then especially if you're lost, you need to hear what I'm saying. There will be a great decree that will come after the church is raptured out. See, there's coming a time when the Lord's going to come back to this earth. First, he comes and meets the church and the dead in Christ in the air. And we rise to meet the Lord, that's known as the rapture. But during that time, after that period of time, on this earth, there'll be a seven year tribulation period. And in that seven year tribulation period, there will be a lot of decrees set forth. One decree will be, if you want to buy or sell, you must have the mark of the beast. And those that do not, have the mark of the beast, can't buy, can't sell. You either accept the decree or you disobey the decree. So first I see the decree. Second, I see the disobedience. Now you say, preacher, I'm lost and I'm really not sure about all the other and I'm I'm not a Christian, but why would that relate to me? Because right now you don't mean to, but you're doing everything the devil's telling you to do. And really when you get saved, what you do is you disobey the devil. You say, I'm tired of you running my life. I'm tired of you telling me what to do. I'm tired of following your direction. I'm tired of following your commands. I'm going to serve the true and the living God because the devil's done nothing good for me. The world's done nothing good for me. All I find is trouble and trials and persecution and heartache and I need help that the world can't give me. I'm gonna turn to God. The decree, the disobedience. Isn't it a sad day that we're living in that churches, I don't know if you follow the news much or not, the church that we prayed for so much in California was fined $1.2 million. The court fined them $1.2 million because they continued to meet during COVID. Hey, there comes a time where you're gonna have to make your mind up. Is it God or the government? Is it good or evil? Is it the Lord or Satan? Is it right or wrong? There's some things that if it's right, we just can't back down on. I don't care if we're the only three standing or if we're the only one standing, we have to disobey and say, we cannot go along with that because God is not pleased with that. So today, why don't you obey the Lord and disobey the devil and come to the Lord? We not only see the decree, we not only see the disobedience, but then when you get to verse 19, we see, The decision, the decision is based, Nebuchadnezzar's decision is based on the wrong thing. As much as he loved these men when the dream was interpreted and they were promoted and the way they were taking care of his affairs, when they refused to bow to his idol, he was full of fury. Have you ever seen someone get so mad that their face changes? I mean, it's one thing when they're mad, but when they get that look on their face, you know, they're really mad. He was that angry. You know why? He felt like they were betraying him, but he couldn't understand. It wasn't that they wanted to betray him, they could not betray the God that they loved and served. So they refused because they could not betray the Lord. And if they betrayed the Lord, then God wouldn't be pleased with them and really, he says, you're going to choose God knowing that this could take your life. If you do that, let that God deliver you from all this. Well, that's exactly what they got was deliverance. They said, King, we're not careful to hear you on this matter. You know what they were saying? We don't even have to pray about this. We're not gonna take any care in it whatsoever. We're gonna answer you just like that. Throw us in, cause we're not gonna bow. We don't have to fast about it, we don't have to pray about it, it's right. God says that it's right, we're doing the right thing. We've gotta do the right thing. We've gotta please God. If we don't please any man in this world, we've got to please God. And so they make their mind up that they're going to step out by faith. Now that's where we, where, when it comes to deliverance, I think sometimes we get a little confused. Sometimes we, we think that faith is the absence of doubt. But you know, that's not so all the time. You remember, you remember the one that came to the Lord and he said, I believe Lord, help mine unbelief. Here they said, God is able to deliver us. But then those three key words, but if not, in other words, they said, we're trusting God no matter what we go through because the truth of the matter is the outcome is going to be the same at the end of our journey, whether it's by fire or whether it's of natural causes, we're gonna be God and we want God to be pleased with us in our life, so we want deliverance. Is there anyone here today that maybe you're in a situation that you feel like it's out of your hands and you feel like that it's too big for you and you feel like that there's no way to get out of it and that this is such a large, large thing that's weighing on your heart and mind and you're trying everything you can to take care of it but it's not working and the more you try, the worse it gets. Can I tell you, there is a God that delivers now, sometimes doubt will try to creep in, but they still have the positive to say, if doubt creeps in, I'm still serving God and God will still bless me for that. The deliverance. He gave the deliverance to them. When they, when they had given deliverance to them, they come out, they get in the fire, they send them in, their garments on, their hat on, but they bind them. Isn't that a silly thing? Why would you bind somebody that you're throwing them into a fire? But they bound them. I suppose maybe they thought they would fight them, but they cast them into the fire. Do you know what the fire did? The only thing the fire did, it just burned off what bound them. When Nebuchadnezzar comes, he looks into the fiery furnace and he said, Did we not cast three men in, but I see a fourth that is likened unto the Son of God. They're loose and they're walking around. I love, I love to see the fire burn, the things off that bind us, the fiery trials that come, they're not going to kill you, they're not going to do you in, but I tell you what it will do, it will make you loose in the Lord and free in the Lord, and you'll be able to walk around in God's presence and power. Is there anyone here in the church Reflecting in your mind, I know we've got so many new people, but some of the older ones will remember him. Forrest Sexton. You remember Forrest? Yeah. Several hands going up. When I was studying about this last night again and early this morning, Forrest came to mind. And God called Forrest to preach the last few years of his life. Just a short period of time before he died, God allowed him to preach. And uh, Forrest had had a life a bondage to sin. Bondage is bondage. I don't care if it's alcohol, drugs, lying, fame, greed, it's bondage. Bondage is bondage. But the Lord, I remember, how many of you remember when the Lord saved him? Man, I remember when the Lord saved him. It was great. It was great to see what God did in his life. But forced, even though he was free, He'd come and he'd sit in the service. You'd seldom hear from him. You'd seldom hear and say a word. They diagnosed him with this disease that they had no healing for. And they were going to give his diagnosis and prognosis. And I told him, I said, I'll I'll be up at Veterans at Dayton. He was at Dayton, Ohio that time. I got up about three that morning, drove there to get there by 5.30 when the doctors came in. And when the doctors came in, they got him maybe just before six. They gave him his diagnosis and uh, they said, we're sorry, Mr. Sexton. There's nothing medically anywhere in this country with what you have. There's nothing medically we can do. And you don't have very many days left on this earth. We don't know how long, but the way it's progressing, it's progressing very quick. So Forrest kept watching, he just calm as he could be. He looked over at Cora, his wife, just kinda shook his head and they went out. And when they went out, Forrest started crying and he raised his hands and he said, glory to God. And he started shouting. I thought my soul, I've preached myself blue and I couldn't get you to say amen. Now a doctor tells you you're dying and you're shouting. I didn't say it, I thought it. And he looked at me and he said, isn't that something? I've never shouted before till I found out I'm gonna get to see Jesus pretty soon. Deliverance, God gives deliverance over every situation. Deliverance comes. If I said John Gibson Patton, probably most people in here wouldn't know much about John Gibson Patton but when you go home, you'll probably do some research on it. To me, he was one of the most remarkable missionaries in church history. It was in the mid 1800s that he went to serve the Lord, and uh, he went uh, went to the islands where that they were known for cannibalism. No one had been successful in reaching these cannibals for Christ. They had some strange beliefs. Uh, They would get involved in cannibalism uh, when they would defeat an enemy, anyone they considered an enemy, that's when they would eat their flesh after they killed them. And uh, they, they had strange ideas. They believed in widow sacrifice. In other words, when a man died, they would sacrifice his widow so that she could go to the other world to serve him on the other side. Aren't you glad you don't live there? Isn't that horrible? They'd offer up children in sacrifice. They were heathens. They were cannibals. When he got there, they started to work and it was a matter of sincere prayer. His wife went with him. They built a little house. When he first got there, there was an outbreak of measles and God was using him. The ones that would take the medication that he had were getting better, the others were dying. So he had respect of just a few because God always puts people at the right place at the right time. So there he is, his wife is pregnant. She delivers just a few months after they've arrived. After that, she delivers 19 days later, she has now come down with a fever and she dies. Less than 17 days later, the newborn baby dies. He buried his wife and his baby by the little house that he had built amongst a tribe of cannibals. Now this is almost unbelievable to me, but you check out the history and it's documented he would sleep on the grave of his wife and on the grave of his child so that the cannibals wouldn't dig them up and do who knows what. He would sleep on their grave many nights to protect them. One night, he said he felt an unusual, unusual surrounding of evil. He could look out around his hut and see that the chief had commanded him to go kill him at all cost. And they would participate in cannibalism for John G. Patton's body. John G. Patton was in his hut praying. And he could hear them and they would get close and they would back away, they'd get close and they'd back away, they'd get close, they would back away. About a year and a half later, maybe two years later, that chief and the tribe had come to know Christ as their savior. John Gibson Patton asked the tribal chief, you remember that night that you came and you surrounded my hut? You knew I was alone. My wife had died. My son had died. Why didn't you kill me that night? And the chief said, we tried, but we couldn't. He said, what do you mean you couldn't? He said, there was a hundred mighty warriors around your your house. Charles Darwin, responsible for atheism, had visited that same island 34 years before John Patton had ever gone. And when he visited the island, he wrote that there was such heathenism that for lack of a better word, they are hopeful to the society of the world. Later he went back, 34 years later, and he agreed with this statement. When John G. Patton arrived on this island, there were no Christians and all cannibals. When John G. Patton died, there were all Christians and no cannibals. It's reported that Darwin donated money to the Missionary Society that John Patton was a part of and didn't even believe in God. You're here today and you've got something too big for you. Well, get the order right. Brian, get ready to sing if you will. Here's the order. If you wanna see God deliver, the first thing is you have to be delivered from your sins, forgiven. Because until you have a relationship with God, you can't ask God about your needs and meeting your needs. Second of all, when you come to the Lord, then you participate in a fellowship like this, where that you can share your needs with others so that you're no longer praying by yourself, but others are praying with you. Why does God do that? Because sometimes, remember what I said? Faith is not the absence of doubt. Doubt will come. But even though you may waver some, there's others that believe God that'll continue to pray for you and pray for your needs. Do you know what they said at the end of this? Oh, by the way, Nebuchadnezzar, that God is our God. Do you look at him as that God or do you look at him as my God? If he's your God, you can come to him with every need.